Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. How are you today, Todd? Good. Feeling just a little left out, though, because uh-huh. I, I can't wait to hear this, this uh, podcast. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, good, it was a good time. Um, so some of these conferences, I mean, you know, I don't want to rank the conversations, yeah. but if I was going to, this one might have been one of the best uh, in nice. this series. Nice. So glad. Uh, feels like we had uh, revival. There was some preaching. Nice. Um, we got we got excited. You know, I feel like there was a couple of Holy Spirit moments. Woohoo! Um, so yeah, it was it was really good. So yeah, we had a prayer so at the great. end. I felt like I wanted to take up an offering. Yeah. And come to the <laughs> communion table. That's like my Anglican yeah. uh, instincts kicked yes, in. I was like, well, now we need to come to the table. Of course, yeah. we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, virtually. So, um, before we get into today's episode. Um, uh, the clergy conference is coming up. Just want to make that announcement. Uh, links are in the show notes. Um, I'm looking forward to a time of community, um, catching up with people, uh, meeting new friends, seeing old friends, uh, kind of being together with um, fellow clergy in our diocese uh, for the first time since the pandemic hit. What's it been like? Yeah, 18 wait. months, 10 yeah. years? How long has this pandemic been lasting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mary Kate Morris is going to be there. Um, um, we're going to have her on the podcast. We should have her on the podcast, Todd. We should. Yeah. Um, so Let everybody some, get to know how great she is. Yeah, she is. She's wonderful. Um, I've heard her preach and speak before. Today, we're uh, continuing our series on reimagining church for a post-COVID world. Um, we've covered the topics of leadership, physical space, liturgy and sacraments, community and finances. And this is our final week. The topic is mission and uh, evangelism. Um, And maybe to get into this, Todd, I know this is a topic that's close to your heart. Mm. Uh, In your conversations with pastors in our diocese and other leaders, um, I'm wondering what you're noticing about the ways the pandemic has affected our ability and our imagination for participating in God's mission. What have you noticed? Yeah, you know, there's been a truism uh, over my whole life, you know, from like, you know, Christian leadership experts and missiologists and that sort of stuff that... Mm -hmm that it's just so easy um, for other things to compete for our attention in church life mm. other than what we think of as mission. Yeah. And that's not bad. It just right. is what it is. Mm-hmm. And now you add to that, we all felt like, you know, we got our heads turned in the last 18 months towards yeah. pandemic issues and the, uh, the, politi- the politicization of some of those um, pandemic issues and to the, you know, the election cycle and all that. And I just had a hunch that a lot of our people were feeling like they were being pulled in directions that were not what they would have anticipated for either like core pastoral work or core um, missional work, you know, just like helping people come to Christ, helping people to grow in Christ, helping people to get, you know, their humanity healed, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I, I just had this kind of knowing based on my long experience and from talking to clergy every day in the last year and a half that everybody was feeling so torn and so tired that I just thought us sharing some ideas about how we could engage uh, in mission during this time would be, um, uh, yeah, encouraging to people. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's a wonderful conversation. I don't want to preview the whole thing um, for everybody because uh, we're about to get into it. But yeah. a lot of those things come up um, that people people are tired, but there has been a clarifying effect that the pandemic has had on our, our yeah. um, the the, our, the missional identity of the church and the um, and the connection and the importance of some of these social justice issues, uh, yeah. racism. A lot of this stuff sort of feels like, oh, it happened at the same time as the pandemic. But I think it, it's been it's revealed how these things are integrally tied together with the church's mission, and we can't just treat them as extracurricular activities yeah. uh, anymore. Right. We have to address them seriously and uh, know what we're talking about and yeah. uh, do something. I think at this point in my life, you know, so many people rightfully, you know, think of me in the category of spiritual formation, but I think people also know that I'm a lifelong frustrated evangelist and I'm a (laughs) lifelong poser missiologist, (laughs) not a real one like our buddy Fitch or Guter or Hunsberger, those guys, but, but, uh, but I want to hang around in their shadow kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, but even if you look at this, Ben, from a formational point of view, I mean, core to formation into Christ's likeness is his words and works, right? Right, right? And if you look at what Jesus did, he was just constantly trying to connect people to his Father. And so my vision when people ask me about C4SO churches in the months ahead is just how can we, in a sense, get back to the basics of um, being agents of healing, agents of good news, you know, agents of justice and peace. I just think that's going to go a really long ways these days. However, a given church might program that quote program yeah. it. Yeah. I don't think that matters as much as um, finding our way back to those really core basic thoughts. That's great. Well, that, that uh, I'm excited. Yep. I look forward to being with you on the, I want to hear this. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Here we okay. go. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to part six of our series, Reimagining Church for a Post-COVID World. Today, our topic is reimagining mission and evangelism. And I'm joined by three guests who've all been actively leading churches in our diocese through this whole pandemic. Uh, The Reverend Sandy Richter is planting Christ Our Peace Anglican Church in Oak Park, Illinois. Sandy, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. You're like a you're like a um, a regular you're like a regular <laughs> on the podcast now. You were part of this series and you helped us interview Tish and I think you were on one more other, one other time, weren't you? Yeah, thanks. All right, you're basically a co-host now, so welcome <laughs> back. Thanks. Uh, the Reverend uh, Gare Jones is lead pastor of Vintage Church in L.A. Gare, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thank you, Ben. Good to be here. And the Reverend Leon McKenzie is co-pastor of Redeemer Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Leon, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Man, thanks for having me, bro. You know, I, I'm calling you Leon, but I was realizing on your, on the website for your church, it says Leon Mac McKenzie. Do yeah, you go man. by Leon or do you go by Mac? I typically go by the very reverend. Pastor the very reverend. That's right. Correct. You're a dean. Don't yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah, don't forget. <laughs> Nobody forget <laughs> that Leon is a rev- is hey, a man. very reverend. Hey, Oh, no. oh, you are too, Gare, aren't you? Aren't you a very I'm, reverend? No? I'm, ex- I'm extremely reverend. Extremely <laughs> reverend. I don't know if you're allowed to make up your own titles. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome everybody to the C4SO podcast. I'm thankful that we get to hear from you all today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, our topic today is uh, reimagining mission and evangelism for a post-COVID world. I want to have a roundtable discussion today with the three of you. 
about what you're seeing, about what you're learning, about what you're planning as it regards to helping the church participate in God's mission as we move kind of out of this pandemic or into whatever post-pandemic uh, world is going to look like. Um, and I wonder if we can start with this question. How did the pandemic affect the way that you practiced mission? Um, as, you know, what changed for your church in the midst of social distancing, online services, you know, all of that kind of thing? Sandy, maybe we can start with you. How did it, how did sure. it change? For, yeah. your, for your church plant that got planted uh, during a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. right. We just started meeting as a core team um, about a month and a half before we yeah. went into lockdown. So, you know, I do most things I lead through relationships. So it was yeah. very strange to try to think about how in the world uh, we could uh, develop a team, although that ended up really happening well on Zoom. But the bigger issue was how do we reach out to our community? Um, and it was just such a challenge to know what would not be, you know, um, dangerous for us or would mm -hmm. be harmful to others. Or um, so we tried to be creative, um, but I'll admit it was frustrating for most of the time. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to talk about some of the creative things we did, but I don't know that those would be necessarily helpful now. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just... I think the biggest thing is um, we just had to stop and say, all right, it, God is still at work here. So what even yeah. small things can we do? Yeah. And how can those very small things, how can we trust that God will use those um, yeah. in this time? Okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting question, I guess, for you, because you only had a month and a half of yeah. meeting as a core team before whatever you were doing had to change. So it's yeah. almost like this is the only world you've ever known as a church mm -hmm. plant. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Gary, how about you guys? You, you, very different situation. You have a church that's uh, been established for a few years. It's a, it's a bit larger than a church plant. How did mission and evangelism uh, change during the pandemic? What, what happened for you? It was really hard. And yeah. not only the practices and the programs that we mm. were able to do beforehand were deeply affected, but I think the foundational challenge was people were so tired and scrambling mm. to survive. Mm. The yeah. thought of giving out was really hard. Mm. And so we love to do alpha and we have a lot of people doing alpha, but people, a lot of people doing alpha means a lot of people helping to run alpha. Yeah. And we tried to go big online, alpha online, but we had hardly anybody help to lead a group because it was like, mm. I'm just too tired or I'm zoomed mm. out. And yeah. so that was very hard. So we, we ran some online alphas and they were beautiful, but tiny mm. and we couldn't scale it. We just didn't have the people to scale it. And then when it came to social justice and mission and we work a lot with the Salvation Army and that was affected because the Salvation Army had to close down in many mm. ways. Okay. And so we normally partner with people across the city because we don't want to, reinvent the wheel we normally partner right. with these amazing mm -hmm. organizations but they had closed down so we we joined with our friends back in london holy Trinity brompton to do a love your neighbor campaign mm. to say look in all the disagreements in all the challenges in all the political issues going on mm -hmm. uh can we just love our neighbor for a minute and can we actually put aside those questions maybe to a time when we're going to more constructively deal with them. And at the moment, yeah. our city is in desperate need. Yeah. And so let's love our neighbor. And so we tried to mobilize people in very practical ways, but it was still very difficult because we were, yeah. you know, we couldn't join in as we used mm -hmm. to be able to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Leon, how about for you guys? 
in Atlanta. Um, yeah. Uh, so our church, uh, we, we live in a, in a neighborhood that there's just a ton of need all the time. And so, and I'm, I'm talking about like physical, like just need, like yeah. food, money. And so our mission, kind of our life vision, right? Our, our planting vision was to be that kind of serving body in this community. Hmm. The reality is when you get into a church plant, you get so involved with just church, inter-church hmm. issues that those those things kind of go to the back burner, unfortunately and unintentionally, it just kind of had. Mm -hmm. So what COVID did for us was present an opportunity for us to actually fulfill that vision that we had initially, to yeah. actually, you know, touch the needs of our people um, very, very, um, yeah, just tangibly in ways we hadn't the rest of the year. So, I mean, the, the rest of the time we'd been there. So, um, yeah, we had a pantry startup. And our outreach director, she took it and just killed it. And, I mean, mm -hmm. she engaged with our neighbors in our community in a way um, that we just could not for the past five years that we'd been there previous to, to COVID. And she established relationships with people in the community we didn't know lived there. Um, people from the community who themselves had need were coming and serving and, and it was fantastic. So um, it's been interesting because since we've kind of come out of the, the closed in COVID season and, and get back to meeting with each other, the pantry has, has scaled back considerably. We're back to focusing on how to do church well. And I think one of the things we're grieving is, is that connection that we had uh, during COVID with our community. Um, you know, people, they didn't, they didn't have the luxury of social distancing in Vine City and English Avenue, right? Mm. And, and um, it, it's, it's crazy to think of being able to distance yourself from other people for the sake of your health as a luxury. Yeah. But it really is yeah. For, for, yeah. for those people. And, and, and so, you know, us pastors, us, us staff, us, uh, you know, volunteer residents in the community, we had the opportunity. People who live there didn't. Yeah. And so the opportunity, opportunity to connect with them and touch them, um, it was huge. I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it, but it was, it was yeah. awesome. And so um, I think in this new season, we're really trying to figure out what does it look like to do church well? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, how do we now incorporate this? Um, yeah, these invaluable mm. connections that we made with our community uh, that we always hope for and, and um, COVID presented opportunity actually yeah. um, have, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's really fascinating. Um, you know, I, I think there is a, a, there is a tendency, um, maybe for some of our communities, some of our churches, to sort of live in this insular kind of bubble where it's mm -hmm. like we assume everybody's just social distancing and staying at home, and, but there, there is a lot of privilege associated with that, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, if you make your money by in the service industry or something like that, like, right. like you, there's no possibility of doing those things. Sorry about my dog guys. She's really excited about my daughter who just got home. Yeah. Speaking of uh, working from home. Um, yeah. So that kind of uh, Leon, your, your mention of that kind of leads me into this next question um, that I wonder as, as, as you guys look to the future now, um, as the pandemic is, you know, winding down or whatever it's doing right now. It does seem to be, at least here in the States, kind of winding down. As you guys uh, look to the future, has, has the pandemic, has your experience of mission and evangelism during the pandemic, has it sparked any changes to the way that you're thinking about uh, mission uh, and evangelism? Or, or what opportunities do you see for the church uh, coming coming out of this, and maybe we, we can start with you, Leon. I know you kind of started to answer this question in terms of like, hey, now that it, now that church is kind of getting back on on track, you know, we're we're starting to focus on how to do church again. Um, but but there is this uh, there's this something beautiful happened 
when yeah. you when you know during the pandemic that you don't want to let necessarily let go of entirely. So, so I don't know. Maybe we can start with you. Like, what are yeah. there opportunities that you're seeing as this changed the way that you're thinking about ministry and mission to your to your neighborhood? Yeah, definitely. I think so. It's um, a little different when we consider mission to our neighborhood and then mission to our church. Um, uh, but okay. Mission to our neighborhood is just like, you know, main, meeting those tangible needs, yeah. making connections, building yeah. relationships, loving those people well. But within the church, we just really lost, uh, and I think we all did to some degree, uh, just connection with people, yeah. right? Just being deeply yeah. connected with others. And so for me, in, in my time with the Lord, I felt like God was, was sharing, uh, showing me the need for, for discipleship, to say it less. So, mm-hmm. so full disclosure, I'm very new to Anglicanism. Mm-hmm. And Anglicanism is is big on spiritual formation, right? We're we're big on mm-hmm. and and all of the I'm learning about all the spiritual formation guys, and including Todd. I didn't even know he was a spiritual formation guy. I've just learned um, mm-hmm. that you know I'm hobnobbing with a big wig in him, <laughs> you know. Um, the right reverend, the right, the, yeah, yeah, yeah so. the, the right reverend, do- right reverend doctor, right reverend <laughs> that's doctor. Right, that's right. But um, but during this season, spiritual formation was great. But what about life on life, walking with people, and, and mm-hmm. those types of things? Mm-hmm. Um, what mm-hmm. what Jesus did, right, when he yeah. was here for three years. And so that was the big push during um, during the lockdown when our services were remote and uh, just just talking about what does it look like for us to be intentional about doing life with each other, walking with each other. Yeah. And so for me, the, the missional switch within the church has been discipleship, trying to figure out how do we get people from either just church attender, you just um, stumbled in, we have a lot of those people, um, yeah. to uh, fruitful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sounds, I know it sounds weird. Isn't that what church is supposed to do? <laughs> you know, isn't that, you know, in oh, the real, yeah, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, we can get caught up in so much church business that that doesn't happen. And, and we yeah. definitely were guilty of that. And so um, hmm. COVID was an opportunity to, to reimagine. Yeah. Reimagine, kind of reset uh, yeah. the, the goalposts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Sandy, how about for you? What, has this changed the way that you're thinking about mission and, and are there opportunities that you're wanting to lean into that you see presenting themselves? Yeah, actually a lot of what you were saying, Leon, resonated with me. I think forming our identity and like the early DNA during COVID um, and during everything else that happened in the last year and a half was really interesting. And the, the I don't know, like you said, isn't church supposed to be about this? I'm, I'm thinking the same thing before I say this, but I just thought a lot about how important it is to care for the least of these or the, mm-hmm. the, the vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I think COVID was a really great opportunity. I think that Bishop Todd really led us in um, thinking of how to do that in everything that we did. And I really don't want to lose that mm-hmm. um, going forward. So I've thought a lot about what does that look like for our DNA to always be mindful mm. of mm. the vulnerable. The, so as we choose a building, what does it look like for it to be accessible? What does it look like for the neighborhood to, um, for us to be in that neighborhood? Like just, yeah, I've, I think that the biggest, um, and, and just how simple human connection and profound human connection is mm-hmm. and centering on that as this is what we always want to be about. So it's been, it's actually been good for me to think a lot about as I lead a church for the first time, what are those values that I want us to never let go of? And COVID helped to name and centralize those in, I think, a really helpful way. Yeah. 
kind of strips strips back some of the stuff. Um, yeah, just some of what you're currently doing to try to fulfill that mission and strips yeah. it back to the mission and that makes you ask that question like, okay, are we doing the things that we really want to be doing as a church? Yeah. Yeah. Gary, how about for you guys? Anything, new opportunities or new ways of thinking about mission that have come about because of the pandemic? Well, a few things. I think, firstly, we realize in COVID the great brokenness within the church around mission. Mm. And the church took an op- oppositional culture to non-Christians, to people yeah. of, a, of a different political persuasion, of people who... Um, we're threatening the Christian worldview that some people have. Yeah. Uh, and so we realized our church isn't ready for mission. You know, I am, mm. I run alpha and people want to tell people about Jesus, but I think COVID highlighted, Oh my word. I don't know if we have even the right paradigm for what it means mm. to be hmm. a church in a pluralistic society. If we yeah. have a, a church in a post-Christian culture, we yeah. are a shambles right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we really, I, mean, I don't think that's just vintage. I think we, yeah. the church revealed its deep brokenness. I mean, Tim, I think it's C.S. Lewis who says, you know, you don't discover the rats in the basement. If you creep down slowly, you have to kind of surprise them. And then you yeah. see the, what's down there. <laughs> and I think COVID yeah. did that to the church. It was like, yeah. surprise. Yeah. And it was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Look how dysfunctional we are. And then, yeah that hits mission because people started to think of the needs of society as something we need to reject because, Oh no, we're liberal. If we do that, or Mm -hmm. I'm the wrong political party. If I do that, or I can't even give food to the poor anymore because that's going to have a a toxic agenda attached to it. Or, Mm -hmm. um, and and on on the other side, it's evangelism. Oh, that's intolerant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, do we have the confidence to share our faith? And, and so I just think, we have a lot of cleaning out house to do internally. And so in order to, in order to become a church equipped and confident for a post-Christian moment, which obviously we're in and to Mm -hmm. varying degrees in our cities. So we're doing a lot of work around that. Um, Mm. We are uh, retooling alpha, not just for those who, don't have any faith but for those who are deconstructing their faith and rethinking their faith alpha is in the fall specifically going to go to our church hey man if you're rethinking because you're disgusted at what you've seen in the church Mm -hmm. the last year we get it come do alpha Mm -hmm. so we're retooling that in order to rescue i think kind of healthy orthodoxy within our community and within our city so that we can, with confidence and courage, continue to share Jesus in practical ways and in word. So we, I just think, oh my word, we have some discipleship to do of our own community. Yeah. So that we can be a missional church. Hmm. Hello, everyone. Uh, It's time for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, again, where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week, we're praying for Church of the Savior in Wheaton, Illinois, which is led by the Reverends Karen and Kevin Miller. And they have both uh, joined us today to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. Kevin and Karen, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Ben. 
Um, what is one thing that you are encouraged by right now as you look at uh, Church of the Savior and the work that's happening? I think one of the things I'm really encouraged about is the, the unity with our staff and vestry um, mm-hmm. around just all the COVID things that have happened. You know, we don't have arguments about when do we meet or not meet? When do we wear masks, not masks? Um, all those different decisions that are taking place for a lot of churches this yeah. year. I'm a leadership coach. And so I'm talking to a lot of pastors and leaders and churches and it saddens me that there's a lot of division going on over that issue, yeah. but I can say savior, we're staying unified about it. Yeah. That's uh, that is no small thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. We um, don't take it for granted. Yeah, that's good. Uh, how about a challenge that you're facing right now that we can. Well, uh, we're getting ready to return to in-person worship for the first okay. time since March of 2020. So we maybe we are the most cautious church in America. But anyway, <laughs> after yeah. 16 months of Zoom, we're going back. Ooh. And uh, so our volunteer team, some of them have okay. not had a chance to do their thing for 16 months. So they need to be kind of re-energized, rebuilt, yeah. uh, and retrained in some cases. So uh, that's one. And then we are in an, a number of transitions. We've just transitioned our treasurer, our pastor of music and worship, and we're looking for a youth director and a family ministry coordinator. So it's also a time, it's a time of leadership transition throughout our church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in light of all this, how can we be in prayer for Church of the Savior and for you guys? Well, uh, for our church, just I think... Uh, that God would reconnect us, that he would almost like re-knit any fraying of our social fabric from this long, hard year of racial injustice, political turmoil, and global pandemic. Hmm. And then uh, for for me, and and I think for Karen, mm-hmm. although I'll speak, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll speak for both of us. Yes. We're tuckered out, man. This was a hard year to pastor, um, not because of our people, just the external realities were just brutal. And we need some rest and rejuvenation in these little pastoral souls this summer. So pray for that. Wonderful. Well, we will be in prayer. Um, Thank you for joining us today uh, for this very brief uh, segment. Um, Karen and Kevin. Um, If you'd like to find out more about Church of the Savior or to contribute to their work, you can check out the link in the show notes, listeners. There's this connection between discipleship and mission that yeah. I, I think oftentimes uh, we just assume that uh, the discipleship's fine. You know, we just need some new, we just need some new uh, motivation for mission, or we need some new kind of uh, techniques or program for mission. But but what we really need is to be the people of God. Right. You know, in in this authentic way, we need to be yeah. disciples of Jesus. Um, and we need to be deeply formed by Jesus in order to be effective uh, in mission. So there's a, I mean, there's an the, intricate connection there. I'm, I've, I do a lot of training on evangelism, and there's always like a hundred barriers to people sharing their faith, right? You've mm-hmm. got to identify them. There was a new one over the last year with COVID, which hmm. or maybe it metastasized and it became huge, which is I don't want to invite people into this. Mm. Yeah. I absolutely do not want to invite my friends, my non-Christian friends, into this toxic church environment where people are arguing about the fundamentals of the gospel, Mm -hmm. people and the political stuff and the ridiculous conversations that some people are having around um, their fears about race. And it's like, oh, my word, if we can't admit to 
the issues of racism, we can't even admit to that then. Yeah, I don't want to invite my friends into this if we can't admit to that and work and yeah. pursue healing in these areas. Yeah. Which is, these are the fights of the evangelical community. Mm-hmm. 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 I've got lots of people in my, my church going, I'm not even going to bring my friends in, into this. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, Gear, two things I want to say. First is how awesome it is to have you quote C.S. Lewis because it just sounds so much more profound. (laughs) (laughs) So that's first thing. But secondly, um, there is, and I I appreciate you talking about it Gary, because there is the, the under the like dark underbelly of what, what was going on during this time in the church and and just reality. For me, I asked the question a lot, like the the people at your church were asking about their friends. I asked the question, is there a place for somebody like me even pastoring? in the church as is honestly wow um wow. and wow. you know yeah. my church is a fairly small church in a very different context and so there is a place for me there mm-hmm. but when we talk about the big c church is there a place for me is there a place for my mm-hmm. voice is there a place for just honest raw truth of what it feels like to be me here and, yeah. and um if i'm honest the more i dove into that the more heartbroken i became mm-hmm. because i think the answer is the church as is does not have space for me yeah. um, wow. you know wow. and so what does that mean does that mean that now i have an opportunity to help create space for people like me uh does that mean that i jump ship um which i haven't done so but you know so yeah that's that's been really difficult well and that's just me speaking a little bit just just me cathartic a little bit because i Man, appreciate that must what be, you're how does that make you feel that breaks my heart but i completely yeah. completely you know see what you're saying how does that make yeah. you feel uh yeah not to be redundant but it's it's heartbreaking it's it's um yeah, yeah. you know w- when i became a christian at 13 years old and when i decided that i would i would serve the lord my life at 17 years old i never thought that i would get to a place where the place you know where the place that i felt called to didn't have a place for me like yeah. how does that yeah. work yeah. you know um yeah yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a conundrum, man. It's it's been difficult to try and figure out what that looks like for me. And the prayer is that God would just present opportunities either for me to to just uh, you know, like I said, create the spaces for me mm-hmm. and and for other people. Um, or, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, but I'm grateful for our church because there's no question there mm-hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but in turn, you know. If I'm honest, man, social media is not is not the place for me. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's not the space I'm jumping into. That that's just a place for vitriol and and poop yeah. slinging. Excuse my language, if that's a place, <laughs> you know, and, and all of that crazy stuff going yeah. on. That's not yeah. the, you know. So yeah. what am I, what am I gonna do? Write a book? Well, I didn't have any book topics before this, so what's the book? Yeah. T- <laughs> you know, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, so yeah. what do I do? You know. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, Leon breaks my heart. Um, and I've, I've been coming out of COVID with a greater resolve to prioritize the lost mm. than hang on to the fearful, insecure mm. Christians who are paralyzing our missional efforts in um, really immature conversations around around politics, etc. It's like, oh, my word, are we... I don't think I'm ever going to convince you mm. unless I join your side. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we're not reaching the loss because 
we're paralyzed in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing more and more people going, Gare, you're a big guy to try and win people over. Let's reason together. I'm a big Mm -hmm. guy for that. But ultimately, you have to draw the line and say, you know what? There's a dying, hurting world out there who need the gospel, who hear, who need the love and mercy of Jesus, who need to feel a community that is welcoming of all, that is pursuing justice, mm-hmm. that is extremely going to actually dig into the issues of racism in our country. It's not going to hold back. It's not going to keep apologizing. It's not going to go slow out of fear of this or that or that. It's like, oh, my word, this is just the Jesus agenda, and we're going to do mm-hmm. it because our country and the lost desperately need it. And I think we may lose a lot of people because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what? I'm ready for that now because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm going to praise the Lord. Bit of John 6 of going, yeah, man, <laughs> this teaching is too hard for you. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, bless you. We love you, but yeah. we're not going to compromise on this and we're not going to water down the gospel to some political agenda or some irrational, irrational thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Garrett, can I ask you a question? I'm sorry. Um, this is just no, Garrett this is, and I having this is a conversation. Great. No, that's this is, this is good. I'm glad this is all coming out. Go no, so it. I when I visited your church, I loved it, man. Mm. I thought it was fantastic. As you speak, are you talking about? Please don't 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 incriminate yourself. But are you talking about? Um, is this a dynamic you're experiencing specifically at your church? Are we talking more broadly? And, yeah. I, and I, I ask that because that's what that's probably what's been most heartbroken is heartbreaking is that it's not i wasn't speaking about some nebulous church space out there i was speaking mm-hmm. about the, the places where i i found myself you yeah. know yeah totally. yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, oh leon absolutely uh, you yeah. know when you church plant in a major city like la yeah you get people from every background come into your church because mm-hmm. you know they're kind of like christian expats you know they're living in a post-christian <laughs> yeah. culture yeah. And they just gather together and they're post-denominational because they can't pick the perfect church because there's not many churches here. So yeah. we get people from all sorts of places. And it wasn't until COVID that some of the reality of their narrative, their discipleship narrative came out. Yeah. And we didn't have many. I think many people know me. And we've done, I think, a, a, an okay job of trying to disciple people and form people into Christ-likeness in a generous orthodoxy and a humble evangelicalism. Um but there was a group, um, and particularly in some of our church plants, there's a group which I've sat with, and they are discipled in fear, hmm. you know, and discipled in insecurity about yeah. their faith, about what culture's doing, about, well, we have to fight, right? We mm-hmm. have to fight. Yeah. And I'm going, well, let me resonate with your, I understand your fears. I understand the challenges. I understand, you know, not every, I understand the brokenness of politics. I, I understand this. Yeah. But your reaction has to be gospel-centered and not fear-centered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has to be redemptive, not destructive. Yeah. And sometimes even just saying that, it's like, no, gay, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to fight. Yeah. And it's almost as if they've abandoned the gospel. Yeah. Because their fears are so big, yeah. Yeah. and their insecurities, and we—that's where I'm going. Oh my word! I'm not too sure. I'm going to try my best, but I'm not too sure that we can yeah. uh, reason with them and and come. There. And it's what well, Jesus discovered. It's like mm, too hard, and they yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. But I think we have to have the courage as people who 
love spiritual formation, love the gospel, love justice, love mercy, without the binary reactions of fear yeah. of the past. Mm-hmm. To go, you know what? Yeah, we can't hold back anymore for the sake of yeah. the country, for the sake of our um, ethnic minorities in our country, for the sake of the communities who've been hurt. We just have to go for it. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. We just have yeah. to go for it. Yeah. And if you marginalize me, oh, if I don't have a voice anymore in my denomination, if if we're the black sheep, hey, I'm the black sheep anyway, I, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll do it because we have to. We can't hold back. And I think our yeah. church, in particularly big cities, our pe- there's a majority of people saying, please, please, can we just get on with it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we'll win these conversations. Yeah. yeah. Let them yeah. go to churches where they can do X, Y, Z with a majority of people around them. But right. please, can we get on with the job? Yeah. And I think actually, particularly everyone under 35 is going, please, can we do yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. No it's doubt. True. Yeah. Well, I hear, uh, I hear in a lot of what you guys are saying um, that some of the clarity that's come here is that. Um, because this this has revealed this gap in our discipleship that maybe we didn't notice before, but it's sort of come to the fore uh, because of, again, fear and sort of these dire consequences. And in the, the, the approach um, can maybe now be, hey, now that this has revealed itself and now that this has become clear, we can be very clear about what mission is and how to call people into that. And, and you know, again, like you were saying, Gare, like invite people to, to follow along, but don't don't neglect the mission for the sake of, well, not everybody's on board yet, or we haven't convinced 100% of the people yet. Yeah. But just to move and, and sort of let the chips fall where they may um, and, you know, and not be afraid of that. Amen. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. I would say our best hope right now, even for our own conflicts inside the church, is mission. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost refusing to have conversations with people until they come and serve the poor. Oh, yeah. Until tough. let's go worship with our um, partner churches of different color in the city. We've cultivated relationships with mm-hmm. Asian American churches, African American churches, Latino churches. It's like you know what? Mm-hmm. Come serve with me. Yeah. And yeah, I and then we'll talk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I I go I walk every morning through a homeless encampment, uh, getting each morning with my dogs just to get to know the homeless and ask the Holy Spirit to help me pray with some people. I have the tough conversations with people who are worried about, you know, the future of the church, the future of Christianity, the future of the Christian, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. But we had to come talk with me as we're going through at 6am in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, this is because the time mission, I have available. Yeah. It's funny. Mission <laughs> softens, mission softens mm-hmm. the heart. Amen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. And stuff. I actually think, we have to help these conversations. So mission, I think, is the great, inje- almost like the great um, vaccine that we need yeah. Yeah. for yeah. people who are even poisoned by all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and mm. we're trying desperately to go, come out in mission, mm-hmm. and that's the context for all these conversations. So mission mm. is actually not an activity of the church. It's our identity. Yes. You know, we, yeah. we forget sometimes that God and who's it, Jürgen Moltmann, who, who wrote that great book, God's a missional God. Mm-hmm. He's not a God who decides to do mission. Yeah, right. right. He's mm-hmm. a missional God. So we often often talk about he's communal, therefore our faith doesn't work mm-hmm. unless we're in community. Yeah. Well, our faith doesn't work unless we're doing mission. It's not yeah. an activity of the church. It's our identity. It is the yeah. When you do mission together, 
you then cultivate the environment for all the other stuff to happen yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I love that, Gare. I think there is this confluence um, that the pandemic has afforded us of uh, kind of the the ways that a lot of things that maybe we th- used to think of as uh, categories or buckets or departments or ministries of our churches yeah. are really kind of one thing with yeah. various aspects that mission and discipleship and formation mm-hmm. and community, um, like and, and liturgy even like all of it is kind of a, a piece of the the whole life of the church participating in the life and the mission of God. Yeah. Uh, kind of so forward. true. And, and gear, I, uh, I appreciate everything that you're saying, brother. And I, Sandy, please jump in, man. Cause I feel like we're just talking. I'm enjoying listening. <laughs> talking. That's great. But, um, during this time, if, if you, if you weren't on board with this idea of inclusive fellowship and diverse fellowship before during this, this past, this last year, you, I feel like you kind of have jumped on or you've considered it to some degree with everything that's been going on. And, yeah. you know, going along with what Gary said, the only way that happens is is through mission. Mm-hmm. The only way your church yeah. is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, and I love what you're talking about, man. Like, don't come talking to me unless you're, you're doing <laughs> something. And I, I love that because the reality is that's the kind of thing that's necessary for the fellowship yeah. and the church we envision to come about. That's right. Um, you, you can't do it and still continue with the comfortable same old, same old. Yep. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, um, I think people, and I, again, I also love what you said about if they leave, if they reject us, so what? Because the reality is there has to be a shaking at the foundation mm-hmm. for these things to actually come about. Yeah. Um, there has to be, you know, um, we talk, when, when Jesus talks about, not Jesus, excuse me, Paul talks about the shaking of the heavens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there has to be some, something like that happening in the church, a yeah. renewal and that's mm-hmm. going to mean a kind of shedding of, of the dead things, you know, yeah. those people leaving. And, yeah. and um, anyhow, all of that to say that, yeah, I just, I just love what you said, Gary, because I think all of that is essential and it is mission. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to see the church that, that I think God desires to come, um, coming about, it's going to take that stuff. Yeah. I, but here's my thing, though. What about, I'm sorry, Ben, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm asking questions, but. Um, that's all good. That's, that's, that's what, about, what about what happened during 2020? Was it was it just the the um, the emphasis on racial injustice that we saw um, with George Floyd having the knee in his neck? Um, was it the cabin fever and the stir crazy? What about 2020 made mm-hmm. us realize that mission was so essential? Mm-hmm. Oh, what was it? I think part of what Gare said earlier. I just want to point back to what you said yeah. about uh, like the walk. C.S. Lewis quote with walking into the basement. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the pressure, right? I've heard many people say it better than I have, but the pressurized society situation in our society, I think revealed a lot of stuff that was underneath. And I know for me, um, I mean, it started a little earlier than the pandemic, but even being able to just see what was really going on in people's hearts, it was very clarifying. And then um, for me, it was very... Uh, catalyzing to say, you know, if this is really where we're at, if we are real, if people really think these things, then man, we, mission is very central. I think there was like this idea of floating along and everything Mm -hmm. maybe is not great, but maybe not that bad. And then as it all comes to the surface, um, maybe with the, with the need being exposed, it was a catalyzing force. Mm -hmm. That's just a thought I had. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And so th- there's, um, I think, a unique opportunity for us as church leaders um, and as churches coming out of this pandemic of realizing, yes, there are tons of losses to grieve and to mourn, like real losses, right? Um, including just loss of life. You know, people have lost loved ones and um, there's loss of connection, you know, that we that we need to continue to grieve and that kind of thing. But there's also this, I think this, this new, we've, we've received gifts as well. And we received, one of the gifts is the gift of clarity hey, to be yeah, able to see good. like, uh, you know, the pandemic didn't create these situations. The mm-hmm. pandemic revealed these situations mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that racism is still endemic in this society. And, um, and it's becoming clearer and clearer. Like you were saying earlier, Gare, that this isn't like an extracurricular activity for the church. Yeah. Like this is this is this has to be a core thing that disciples of Jesus have to face and address. We have to talk about this because this is harming brothers and sisters who are made in the image of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that it's a it's a core discipleship issue. We got to deal with it. We got to wrestle with it. So I'm trying to this is a technology flaw over here. We have these automatic lights. I'm there trying to get it, but I can't. I can't get away. Uh, uh, our listeners can't see you uh, waving your arms, but uh, you know, I thought he was having just a having a praise moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was getting excited in the Holy Ghost or something. So, no. Yeah, I'm trying to do it, but it's way by the door. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, it's good. No, yeah. Then, I mean, I think. I'm thinking about, I think mission the last year for me, part of, there's many reasons why mission has come to the fore. One of them has also been the essential nature of it for the sake of the next 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've lived, I've had the privilege of living in lots of different countries and which are all post-Christian, you know, England, mm. uh, Vancouver, Canada, Switzerland, um, mm. and, and other places. And, you can see what happens when a country rejects the gospel, mm. right? You you see it. And you're brokenhearted. I remember in Acts 14 where, you know, Paul saw that they thought he was Zeus incarnated. Mm-hmm. And he thought, oh, no, you're, you're misunderstanding. And he tore his clothes and went, yeah. no, that's not right. I think we have a tear our clothes moment from 2020 yeah. where people are looking at the church and going, Oh, is that Christianity? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have that in LA on steroids, but it's everywhere, right? Yeah. right? And yeah. I think we as Christians are looking at the next twenty, thirty, forty years of going. If we don't do something now, missionally, to say this is Jesus, mm-hmm. not abandoning orthodoxy because that will just make it even worse. Yeah. But if we don't get out there and go, this is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Social justice is part of the kingdom renewal project. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not to be scared of. You know, inclusivity in a diverse community. Yeah. Acts chapter 2 was yeah. the birth yeah. of the church, and straight away, a, a diversity was the central theme. Right there, yes. yeah. People yeah. spoke in different languages. There wasn't one la- You know, We have to go, this is Christianity for the sake of the gospel in our city, in yeah. our nation for the next 20 or 30 years. And uh, if we don't rise up and get out there with the authentic gospel strip down the nonsense strip out the mm-hmm. the bs and and i understand that it's because of hurt and cultural challenges and fears of the future of yeah. m- moving from christendom to post-christendom we get it here right what are yeah. my kids going to be taught you know right. a mm-hmm. child came home yesterday and parents said to me man my child was taught this today and he's six mm-hmm. years old and it was I, what are we going to do, Gare? And yeah. I go, I get it. 
I'm not optimistic about a liberal government or a liberal agenda. I'm not optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. But we respond as Jesus responded, and we mm-hmm. respond in a gospel-centered way. We don't take up arms. We don't do these things. Yeah. Um, and that's what we have to do for the sake of the gospel in this yes. country. Otherwise, yeah. guys, mm. you go to places around the world, particularly France, when you do mission there, we yeah. don't want that to happen here. Yeah. But we don't do it equally by enforcing morality, taking power, mm-hmm. all yeah. these things, mm-hmm. uh, or throwing away the gospel and just compromise. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Pick right. a mix. Spirit. Sp- yeah. Spirituality, we have yeah. to, but we have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. we're realizing that. Oh my word, so we have to do it. Yeah, that's so good. Man. Yeah, and I, I think that gets back right. to what you were saying at the beginning, Leon. That yeah. the pandemic gave the opportunity to see what is the church at its most yeah. central, yeah. and how yeah, do we really, true. how do we really follow Jesus yeah. in this yeah. moment? Yeah. 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 Well, guys, this is, this has been great. I, I got. Um, I got like little sermons. Like I got you guys preaching. I got you guys prophesying. <laughs> this has been uh, this has been great. It feels like okay. we should take up an offering and and come to the table <laughs> together and take communion and uh, be sent out on mission. Yeah. Uh, since we can't take up an offering or come to the table, um, I wonder, uh, Sandy, if you would maybe just close us with a with a prayer and uh, and a blessing mm. and ascending into mission. Mm-hmm. Would you do that? I know I'm springing this on you and I, and I yeah. you did not have any time to prepare, yeah. but I, uh, I, w- I wondered if you would do that for us. Okay. I'd love to. Okay. Oh, holy God. I thank you so much that you are a God of mission, that you have created us in love and have come to us in love and that we have the opportunity as people who know you to share that love with others and in all manner of ways, in every way that you're at work. And God, I pray that you would help to center us deeply in who you are and in what you're doing. Yes, we pray together that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, that your name would be made holy. And we pray against all manner of fear. It is, it's in the water, Lord, and we just need you to continue to exercise that from our midst. Yes, God. And God, we pray that um, you would enlarge our imaginations to see the small um, and big ways that you're at work around us. Give us continual clarity and give us courage to, um, yeah, to turn away from the fear and to face into the really great opportunities of joining you in what you're doing around us. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we just, we thank you um, mm. that we live and move and have our being in you. Yes. And as we go out, just remind us of that over and over and over again, so that we might live for your glory and for the sake of others. In mm. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sandy, Gare, Leon, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate your uh, contributions to this series. That's great. Bless you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.